our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Racial tensions, while always present, has been at an all-time high as of late. There have been tragic events that have sparked this rise in tension, one of which took place on this day in 2015. Today is the day that nine African Americans tragically lost their lives at the hands of a racist man as they sat in the comfort of their historic church. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On the evening of June 17, 2015, the Charleston Police Department in South Carolina began getting calls from a number of sources claiming that there was a shooting at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. As they rushed to the scene, they were greeted with mass chaos. While a group of parishioners gathered for an evening Bible study, a new face walked in through the doors of the historic church. In the predominantly African-American church walked a young white man who sat down and attended the Bible study. The churchgoers, happy to have a new soul there to learn about the Lord, thought nothing of his presence until the man began disagreeing with the discussion of scripture. Then, as the 12 other members of the Bible study bowed their heads to pray, this man stood up, aimed a gun at 87-year-old Susie Jackson, and began spouting racist rhetoric. When Susie's 26-year-old nephew, Taiwanza Sanders, asked why he was threatening strangers, he said, I have to do it. You rape our women, and you're taking over our country, and you have to go. As he was about to pull the trigger, Taiwanza dove in front of his elderly aunt and became the first victim within the church. This deranged man then began shooting the other members of the church, all while shouting racial slurs, making it no mystery his motives for the shooting. He reloaded his gun five times, and after just six minutes, nine innocent churchgoers perished during the attack. Those who lost their lives were Clementa Pinckney, who was a church pastor and a South Carolina state senator, Cynthia Marie Graham Hurd, 54, Susie Jackson, 87, Ethel Lee Lance, 70, Topane Middleton Doctor, 49, Taiwanza Sanders, 26, Danielle L. Simmons, 74, Sharonda Coleman Singleton, 45, and Myra Thompson, 59. They became known as the Charleston or the Emanuel Nine. Two survivors, Taiwan's mother and five-year-old niece, only survived by playing dead, while Polly Shepard was spared so, as the killer stated, someone could tell his story. 
He then turned the gun on himself, but after discovering he had run out of ammunition, fled the church. Several hours later, a bomb threat was called into a nearby hotel, forcing the police to evacuate the area and complicate the investigation into the church shooting. Not long after the shooting, the local police received two calls identifying the shooter. Both his uncle and father saw the security photos on the news and knew that Dylan Storm Roof was the perpetrator. So, who was Dylan Roof, and why, despite growing up in a largely African-American neighborhood, did he take his racism to such an extreme? Dylan Roof grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, and prior to the attack, only had two arrests on his record, one for trespassing and another for drug possession. However, it was the drug offense that should have saved the lives of the Emanuel Nine. You see, the charge should have prevented Dylan from purchasing a firearm, but an administrative error within the background check system allowed Dylan Roof to buy the very gun that he used to massacre the members of the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. And why that church? Because as the oldest African Methodist Episcopal Church in the South, it has played host to a number of historical events in African American and South Carolina history. Things like the slavery era and Reconstruction, the Civil Rights Movement, and Black Lives Matter have all taken place within its walls since its founding in 1816. To tarnish such a historic building would ensure his name and horrible cause would be remembered forever. Dylan Roof even told friends and fellow white supremacists of his plan to take a human life, but none believed he was serious. Following the calls from his family members, 21-year-old Dylan Roof was arrested the day after the attack. The FBI got involved and he was charged with nine counts of murder and one count of possession of a firearm during the commission of a violent crime. He was formally indicted on July 7th and more charges were added for the three victims who survived. He also faced federal hate crime charges, hence the FBI's involvement, nine counts of using a firearm to commit a murder, and 24 of civil rights violations, 18 of which carried a federal death penalty. On July 31st, Dylan pleaded not guilty to the federal charges based solely on the advice of his lawyer. Dylan himself was ready to plead guilty. On September 16th, he said that if the death penalty was taken off the table, he would change his plea. Finally, after a number of postponed trials, on November 28th, a federal judge granted Dylan's motion to represent himself. But a few weeks later, he made a handwritten request for his defense team to come back for the guilt phase of the penalty trial. It was granted. After all of this back and forth, the official trial began on December 7th, 2016. And on the 15th, he was found guilty of all 33 federal charges against him, and during the sentencing phase, during which he represented himself again, he offered no sign of remorse, apology, or explanation, and was sentenced to death on January 10, 2017. He was tried separately for the nine counts of murder in the South Carolina state courts and pleaded guilty to avoid a second trial. He was sentenced to life imprisonment for each of the charges. He remains in prison awaiting execution. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on June 18th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.